Okay, so we're in we're in Las Vegas, all right. Vegas. We're we're uh, we're eating sushi in Vegas. <laughs> sushi. Okay, there's there's like those Benihana grills all around us. You're ch- they're chopping up some uh, premium, t- uh, what what like a tuna? Spitting in God's eye, a landlocked uh, state eating yeah. ahi tuna. Mm. And <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm sitting across from both of you, and I'm perplexed at what happened in in 2000. And eight. I have no idea. Yeah. So so break it down. Well, I I just chomp on these delicious California rolls. So do you want, are you like trying to like lie to the listener right now and say that we're in Vegas right now, or are we like in your apartment wearing sweatshirts? We're literally in my apartment wearing Uniqlo hardcore <laughs> <Yeah>. sweatshirts. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Gabe, David, and I are all one part of the American flag. Oh, look at us! <laughs> wow. I, I'm wearing red. Uh, Gabe's wearing blue, and David's wearing white right now. <laughs> yeah. The 2008 financial crisis. An analysis of the film The Big Short by Danny, David, Gabriel, or whatever. I think the biggest takeaway from the financial crisis is that it was just gambling on the American dream, I think is the easiest way to put it, because what is the American dream but buying a home? Mm -hmm. And like home ownership is the most American thing. And the fact that the American dream failed us is goth it's a very it's very <laughs> it's very intense that that's what did it I mean, uh, it probably helps that part of the big short which we're talking about today takes place in las vegas because it's, i mean the the betting allegory or metaphors whatever is so uh, i mean it smacks you over the head with it but it's good you know that's what we're talking that's what we're talking about by the way we're, we're talking talk about the movie the big short uh 2015 film by adam mckay um, but that movie is about oh. the financial crisis. I thought we were going to be speaking about Fright Night, Fright- which is <laughs> yeah. the remake. I am <laughs> led astray. Well, the reason I bring that up is because the remake of Fright Night is uh, a family moving into a cul-de-sac in, an, in a whole neighborhood of new houses that are foreclosed upon. Oh, and so, so yeah. There's this uh, the the neighborhood is a literal necropolis right it's just, Hell yeah, dude. It's just all of these mausoleums of uh of uh, you know people's people's dead financial aspirations and dreams and then this vampire uh played by everyone's favorite uh, what no, uh, what uh, colin farrell everyone's <laughs> oh, favorite yeah. colin farrell I'm a, I'm a, he's well, a vamp he's my favorite colin farrell i love i love dublin and i love being a vampire <laughs> and uh and he and he's able to hide his vampirism and his predatory nature by uh, killing off the few people that are left in these neighborhoods, because y- you look outside and your and your neighbor is no longer in the house, oh, you think they just moved away? Yes, you know. Yes, when, uh, yeah, yeah, I get but that. it's really just vampires. So this is a C plus film, but it really is a snapshot of uh, what was happening right in that moment in time. I also think that that zombie movies became really popular in the first part of like 2010 to 2014 Very because popular. of the financial crisis. Like there was so much where we just associated just like death end times apocalypse with the fact that like for the first time in American history, millennials will make less money than their parents. Like the American, this, this is about the fact that, you know, houses are all of a sudden meaningless that you can't build a bigger and bigger McMansion every single time. Like this yeah. is, there is, there will be death 
And I think that there is a there is a subconscious recognition of that and kind of indulgence in that with what made zombie films kind of the the zeitgeist of 2010 to 2014 or 2009. Like The Walking Dead. Remember, like there just seemed to be so many of these zombie films yeah. in that era. It was uh, it was all started by uh, the Zombie Guide to whatever Survival Guide or whatever that mm. came out in 2008. You know who wrote something? that? Lloyd Blankfein, actually. <laughs> 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 Lloyd Blankfein. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, no, I, I think you're right. Also, uh, I do I, like we're we're playing around with metaphor here a little bit, but I do like the idea too. I did not. Like, I did not mean to conflate zombies and vampires. Just for no, the no, record, no, for no, the no. record. I mean, this is this is under the 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 sort of a genus of undead. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, that big pyramid, that yeah. that um, kingdom, kingdom, the right. phylum, <laughs> kingdom genus, the Walking Dead coming to consume. Uh, y- your your four hundred one k. Yeah. Mm. By the way, Walking Dead. It is still a television show. What? And I will tell you, you will not have a more unfulfilling watch if you can, <laughs> if you watch that because you're like, oh, what is happening? Damn, <laughs> this is too a- much. Damn, AMC had three shows and they're just sticking to the last one. Yeah. Just, they're yeah, just like they're holding on. Yeah, because they were like, we're just gonna show classic movies, you know, like Bogart and. Casablanca and um, oh, we're gonna have Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and The Walking Dead, and they're just really sticking to. And two of those ended five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> six, six, or seven if oh you're Breaking God. Bad. Yeah, yeah. sure. The uh, the good die young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't overthink <laughs> and, it. And yeah. some some shows just keep on trucking. You either kind of like you're like, why isn't this show dead yet? What? Why is Henry Kissinger still alive? Yeah, yeah. you have to be you have to be <laughs> like Michael Bloomberg and say, look. If you get pancreatic cancer when you're 95, we just say, so long, folks, <laughs> or whatever he oh, said. Yeah, yeah uh, don't want to get too, don't want to date this too much. But look, you either you, die a hero or you live long enough to see For Michael Bloomberg to say you should be die. euthanized by the state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so... Let's um let, let, let's go into what what the fuck the financial crisis was a little bit right yeah let's well, we're no, hold on yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm dipping my roll into my soy sauce and I've got a little wasabi on the other oh, end yeah. a little schmear <laughs> yeah the chef is making an onion volcano uh, he yeah. transported to yeah. Vegas <laughs> Ooh, la. Yeah, have you been to Vegas just real quick have you been to Vegas before Gabe oh yeah yeah have you yeah. been to yeah. Vegas yeah, 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 yeah I've been I've been twice as well so we're all familiar with how it kind of sucks <laughs> yeah. I went my family and I saw a bunch of boobs really sure. well I just saw like they're like cards on the sidewalk advertising for strip clubs oh yeah, yeah. and i was just like <laughs> yeah and my dad was like yeah bro a young um, david beating off on the strip <laughs> yes, yeah of course yeah i think the best thing you can see in vegas is, is one of those albino tigers eating a magician oh nice. yeah oh yeah i love that man show. all right did they die or were they just siegfried and roy did, uh, didn't like just roy die or something like that one of them did die i think actually recently okay so the financial crisis <laughs> yeah, yeah let's not get too, <laughs> there's a lot uh, of bran- tree branches so out there. okay the okay the and the movie talks about this a little bit but i think we can just go the big quick, short the big short adam mckay 2015 uh there's this uh there's this guy uh louis at solomon brothers basically um you he invented this things called mortgage backed securities okay so the idea is that you take people's mortgages so this is a credit structure credit means uh a loan, loan a debt yes. right it is so a credit um so he would take basically people's obligations to pay their mortgages and he would bundle them together and he would that was a product in of itself that you could 
you could invest in. You you're buying people's in. debt. Yeah, you're buying people's debt, and you are gambling that they are going to pay their debt. That yeah. is the fundamental. That that is the crux of what caused the financial crisis was these mortgage-backed securities was and how that they are determined whether they were a good mortgage-backed security or not. Um, and then they got uh, – you would kind of have – your mortgage is dependent on your credit score, on your credit rating, and it's de- and those things are all kind of – you have credit rating agencies that determine whether this is this person is worthy or not to receive this home. Yeah. Right? So you, someone's going to check to see whether you have a – like when you're buying a house, they check to see whether you have a job. They check your credit score. They check to see – whether you have outstanding loans, they check to see your rel- uh, reliability and ability to pay previous mortgages if you have those or rent. I think sometimes. And, and your credit score is more important than anything else. You could have a yeah. million dollars in the bank. Yeah, and, and like, but your credit score is bad, then they won't trust you to pay off your debts. So you uh, you have to pay everything up front in cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And and the last thing they check is to see whether you're white. And those and they, they make <laughs> sure they have all those things. And if you have all those things, then you're going to get a reasonable mortgage. And that is going to – so basically the – this is in the 70s, right? This idea basically was to – what I liked about the movie is that they talked about how the financial sector has become sexy. And that is – I think it is totally true. They left the country club and went to the strip club, and this is one of the big things that did it. Um, it's because the fact because it wasn't as – because before you could kind of think of this sort of sector of fi- financial, the financial world as like bonds, or yeah. something very boring where it's like, yeah, the only thing this does, the only thing this, this bond does is slowly grow in value very, very slowly. And that's mm-hmm. what houses were too because it was a very stable thing. It's just like mm-hmm. this mantra that people basically yep. lived by. Yeah, your house is that you buy a house that's in a good neighborhood. It's going to keep appreciating in value no matter what. You get your bonds and things that you can trust because everything is nationalized or it's subsidized by the state or it's yeah. I mean, uh, FD, uh, it's FDIC. I'm just making up words. Now. <laughs> yeah, 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 but yeah. It's like I think about how my grandparents generation, they were like really cared about pinching pennies and like putting pennies in a piggy bank. And this idea that you could actually save money from your summertime job meant something. And then. Yeah. Uh, in the seventies, you only a couple people had credit cards, so debt yeah, wasn't that big yeah. a deal. And then you start watching movies from that era, and you see people like the joke is that somebody opens their wallet and there'll be like fifteen credit cards in it. Mm-hmm. You know, because now debt, you we're, we sort of are able to take on more debt. Totally, yeah, totally. And also, like we basically stop, like we stopped subsidizing housing, which is a you know, like like we had. Uh, the federal government has been basically giving out free housing in the form of land grants, Homestead Act, and the GI Bill, which is like fueled basically since the 1850s people to be able to buy houses. Yeah, that, so, goes, that goes back to the 19th century where they're just like, move out west. Exactly. Make, it, make a house. Do yeah. that. And yeah. Then World War II comes happen. And they come back and they're like, hey, buy a house. Buy exactly. it on Long Island. You yeah. Know, and so, th- so there's a little bit of a, like there is like the ethos of like, penny pinching and that sort of stuff and um then with the creation of debt that also exists but it is also a change in policy of moving towards this austerity regime and not having that like underlying bed 
of no pun intended of you know government support for your home right so 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 yeah so exactly two things are happening one we're being encouraged to take on more and more debt yeah culturally as a society with the advent of credit cards and taking out big loans and thinking i'll pay back that mortgage yeah and then two the the actual government safety net is being pulled away in the movie um there's the character played by christian bale that there's a guy named michael burry at Scion Capital, this is a real person. He is the first one to discover um, that a lot of these mortgage-backed securities are filled with sub subprime adjustable rate loans. Yeah. What is uh, what do those words mean? What is what does subprime mean? Boom. Subprime means uh, it means whack. It means Shit. grade D beef. <laughs> yeah. It means yeah. It means hello. These bagels are not day olds. They're five day olds. Yeah. You know they're bad, folks. Moldy it's bread. Bad. They are not lit. Yeah. They do not it, slap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's when you get a grab bag of. Um, of comic books because they used to sell comic books. Yeah. You get a bag and maybe you'd luckily get one that you liked, but then there'd be like five issues of. They're really like, just, it's like recycling, but not. You know, it might as well be in, the, in a bird cage at this point. Yeah, subprime. So bad. So uh, bad. Not 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 so delicious, right? So like and an adjustable rate. What's adjustable rate? Um, an adjustable rate loan is we are going to give you um, a loan with an adjust, like some sort of leniency in the beginning essentially for being able to pay off your loans yeah but then um the adjustable rates kick in at a certain point when you all of a sudden have to start paying more okay so yes. so you start out paying like hey you only got to pay 15 percent every month or whatever and then the adjustable rate kicks in five years later and it's like now it's 35 percent yeah so then so so there's actually a point in um in the movie where they talk about in the second quarter of 2007, the majority of the adjustable rates are going to kick in, okay? And then and Michael Burry says he was the only one who looked through the numbers on all these mortgages because what what is so tough about the financialization, like over-financialization in like a macroeconomic sense is that people stop paying attention to all the details and everything, all these numbers get obfuscated away from like actual empirical reality. You know, you got to be smart as hell. You got to be really whip smart when it comes to policy to just get down to the brass tacks and the nitty gritty. You need a technocrat in there that can read the fine print. The, so the adjustable rates kick in in 2007. Mm. It, they will begin to fail, and if they fail above 15%, the entire yes. bond is worthless. Okay, so the entire uh, a bond, as we've discussed before, is a loan, right? A loan, it's the mortgage, right? So the entire mortgage-backed security um, so if more than 15% of that group of that mortgage backed security fails when the adjustable rates kick in, then the whole thing is worthless. So if you have a deck of cards, a deck of baseball cards, okay. and all the baseball cards, if more than 15% of them, I don't know, who's that one? Uh, give me a baseball Let, player. Someone please. Let's, oh, let's, so, let's change it a little. If, <laughs> if you have a deck of basketball cards and more than 15% of them are... Detloft Shrimp, Seattle Supersonics uh, uh, forward from the early 90s, then it'll fail. Yeah. <laughs> if, you have an, if you have too many Detloft Shrimps. Sports are not my strength. I'm just going you know, to put that out there. You know, you're looking, you're <laughs> looking for Gary Paytons. You want them to be Gary Paytons, all right? But you're with his, uh, but, you know, the glove. 
you know, that was his name back in the day. Yeah, you want so like yeah, so you want them all to be Gary Paytons, but if more than fifteen percent of them are squid, de- de- Squidward, de- Detlaf de- Shrimp, Detlaf, Detlaf de- Shrimp. Yeah, that, that's what I said. Detlaf Shrimp. Who yeah, the yeah. Fuck, are we? Shrimp scampi. Yeah, we are. We are. We are at a Japanese restaurant in Las Vegas right now. Yeah, discussing yeah, we, are, ski- we are. We are. Seafood scampi yeah. from. You know, I feel like this seafood is from the early '90s in Seattle. You know, that's how <laughs> yeah, fucking exactly. horrible this sushi is. Yeah, yeah. And so, if you, if more than fifteen percent of them are a bad basketball player, how about that? Yeah. Um. Then, they then the whole thing, all one hundred percent of it, is essentially a junk grouping. It's in it's it's infested the whole so, thing. So it goes from being a like a triple A down to like a triple B or something. Is that the actual um, terminology? Yeah, I mean, so then there's this other. Then there's like another. Th- that's the crazy thing about the financial crisis is that it's like a conglomeration of things of, of a conglomeration of things of a conglomeration of things, and like that's how the financial sector works, and that's how like yeah. why people are like, oh my god, like I really want. Um, BP's taxes to get cut because then their stock is going to go up, which means my 401k is going to go up because uh, my 401k is invested yeah. through Vanguard in, in BP. You know what I mean? It's so like the you everything is interconnected in the financial sector. So yes, that, yes. that, that, that that's kind of what makes the whole thing rock, right? So in addition to the mortgage-backed securities issue, there are yeah there are these like tranches within it, right? Which is like means category. Yeah, th- th- yeah, they're like they're like layers, right? Yeah, they're a layer, and so there's these things called FICA scores. Okay, that's what we were just talking about a second ago. Yeah. Um, and a FICA score is talking about proof of income. Your sta- so- your personal stats, your adult report card. Yeah. It's your adult report card. So you then then yeah. the, then the, the, those will get downgraded from a AAA to something more so. But that's yeah. like yeah, and and it, it, I guess the thing that it, this is the confusing part because. When you talk about it, um, you know, from a distance like it, it makes – it almost makes less sense. So it's like why does it matter if that 15% gets breached? Like why is that why, – why does everything fail if that one thing fails? Does it mean that it's like by basis of our like mathematics, we've deduced that if 15% gets breached in this, it just means – like statistically that all of it sucks is that why those like you know groupings of yeah i mean i think it's like the that's probably the if i could just like infer yeah i imagine that that's the underlying logic behind it but i don't have the answer for i I guess that 15 percent. but 15 percent is kind of a common like that's kind of a way of saying like when something breaches 15 percent, then it's like a material size of a percentage of a pool of money Basically, it just means the money goes away. Like it just means it just means yeah. It just, it just means that like this is going to have a material impact when something is above fifteen percent, and it's going to have a material impact on whatever outcome everything else does. Basically, okay. If you yeah. have fifteen percent of a baseball team that's really shit, then no matter how good the rest of the baseball team is, they will fail. Oh, so maybe it's like vaccines, where it's sort of like if ninety-five percent of people, ninety-five percent of people have to be vaccinated in order for the the sort of efficacy of it to really play out. But if any people, if it goes below that, then that means there's that margin of error enough that you know if somebody gets exposed to it, then it'll ex- exponentially kind of like 
spider out and get worse. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah, I think I think that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, th- yeah that, that that's all seems to make sense. So all this is just is is creating um, collateralized debt obligation. A collateralized debt obligation is a complex structured finance product that is backed by a pool of loans and other assets and sold to institutional investors. That's right. That's kind of the big thing. A lot CDOs. of people, a lot of people are not able to pay off their debts. Yeah. A lot of people, mm-hmm. they, they came in with a low interest rate and then 10 years in, boom, the, the, in 2007, all of the interest they had to pay spiked, but maybe even under like a, a neoliberal ideology, mm-hmm. there would be this idea that, well, if, if these people who bought the houses and took these mortgages on at a low rate, mm-hmm. if there's upward mobility in the society, by the time that the interest rate uh, spiked, they would now be uh, higher up on the professional ladder so yeah. that they could pay off the money. Mm-hmm. But because mm-hmm. wages have been frozen and because there is no upward mobility, none of those people, that promise, that neoliberal promise. Yeah. Yeah. The trickle down uh, logic. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was, was that a like big lie. Yeah. Everything that like Bernie Sanders says now is sort of starts with the financial crisis, which is almost kind of scary because it means that like what happened in 2007 and 2008 is truly just the beginning. If you don't yeah. s- try to fix it like in a very radical level, you know? Yeah, I think so. And also there was just outright fraud. And, 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 and this yeah. as well, but like, but, that, <laughs> but those things are related in a certain way because it's like, if you, like, basically put all of your emphasis onto the financial system and you're having the real estate industry as being like constant, exponential growth and, and kind of like, extractive growth, upon working people, so like working with that neoliberal logic and you have that like financialization and extractive model of real estate development then eventually they're going to have to be incentivized to defraud credit rating agencies yeah. and forgive them, lie to them about how wor- how good these mortgages are, basically. And then... That- so let's get to that, because I don't think we've talked... W- like, explain how- that, because that's where the white-collar crime stuff... That's where Ponzi screams. That's our bread and butter. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. So th- where's this defrauding happening, you know? Because right now, we've just... All we've described so far is that the reason uh, that there was massive defaults and everybody went into bankruptcy, all of the people with the mortgages, is because the credit um, spiked because it was – what did we call it? It was a uh, something interest rate. Uh, variable interest rate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right after that, what, where's the fraud? Adjustable rate loans. Yeah. yeah. Where's the fraud now? So the, adju- the fraud is really in – real estate agents all over the country they're not like colluding but there's just like a general practice of we are going to get people in the door and we are going to get people to buy these homes because we are going to make a lot of money off of it fees yeah and and broker fees you know what i mean and so and and basically neglecting to do their due diligence in a fraudulent and negligent way right Mm -hmm. i'm just being like whatever we're going to give them a triple a score a fica score it's going to be fine. We're just going to send it to the credit rating agency. And the credit rating agency is complicit in this as well because they are competing amongst each other for these um, – to get – the to be, to be able to do the service of rating these mortgages. Yes, yes. And that's, that's where the fraud starts because if you give somebody a bad credit rating, 
And everybody else is like, well, I'll give them a good credit rating, even though they don't deserve yes. a good credit rating. It makes it so you're incentivized to lie, essentially. Right. If you don't do this for me, the guy down the street will. Yeah. And so, th- and and th- that's kind of an issue with like any sort of oligopoly is that there's no real when it's just two firms competing against each other, which is kind of what it was, um, in the, in 2007 with credit rating agencies, um, you don't really have any of that like you know capitalist democracy that people assume exists in a capitalist system where there's a market yeah, yeah. there's a market democracy where if one is doing poorly uh is doing a bad thing then is committing a fraud then the co- competition will even that out because the other there will be another one to fill in the gaps and co- and correct the fraud with the invisible hand and yeah stuff like you know how all the different cartels in mexico trying to cut up the uh cocaine tra- trade routes how, yeah. how they really played fair with each other and uh, yeah 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 it would make it makes all the libertarians just yell at the wall it's like no <laughs> no there's no competition no, i want to build my own driveway no, i'll build my own road to my own house uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so those, so the, there's like, um, there are the credit rating agencies that, um, we're basically saying like, we want this business. We need this business. Like Moody, Moody's and Fitch are two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and they aren't really, when there's that, when there's just two behemoth structures, there is an incentive for them to kind of silently work together even if they're not directly communicating oh. they kind of operate they kind of like it's, it's kind of like dancing without touching hands you just know which you both know the steps you both know what things to do in order for to like preserve the dance and keep the dance going without alerting antitrust officials and also while keeping out competition oh wait so I, like, I think i know what you mean now because they talk about the s p the standard and poor yeah yeah during the movie yeah and what see, okay so here's maybe the gap so this go uh, d- is, tell me if i'm wrong here does this go in such a way where you have realtors doing like fraudy stuff you know yeah and there's you have the S and P or whatever, basically playing so along S&P, with yeah. that, yeah. and there's not really like a ton of intervals in between those two things. Mm-hmm. So it kind of goes from being just sort of like oh, I'm just a realtor, like an agency or whatever, saying that this should be this, and then it goes all the way up to like big, big, big credit agencies being like, yeah, we believe this, but also there's only three of them or whatever. So yeah. it's like all the power gets consolidated to them real fast, and then all of a sudden. What is just one little piece of fraud from maybe a couple hundred realtors turns into like the top three credit rating agencies being complicit in it, which is just like straight up an artery to the economy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if there's anyone who's really a true like criminal and really did bad fraud in the financial sector, it was the credit rating agencies like S&P and Moody's and Fitch yeah. who were just – knowingly ignoring like neglecting to to actually give um correct credit like fica scores yeah for these mortgage-backed securities and collateralized debt obligations yeah like that is where the actual fraud i think is i mean there's like the petty fraud of the realtors and the brokers you yeah know? that's yeah the petty fraud that's, that, that, that's, that's like on a micro that's like on a micro level transactional level of like you know there was like those bros in the movie who were like, like they're the Florida idiots. bros. They were or Florida bros. Yeah, those guys. So, you know, it's kind of like putting the onus on the dumbest people uh, 
in the structure yeah. by thinking that they're really they were unethical and amoral, but they were also bartenders who thought that they were like living the American dream by becoming grifter salesmen. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. They're and then and they're being incentivized to uh to like just sell as many of these properties as they can. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're not going to do it, someone else is going to do it. Yeah, like, precisely. So it's it's really not their f- they're they are like pawns in the they're game. They're like stupid. Right? It, I mean, it would be the equivalent of like telling a t- only giving a child like cookies and stuff. And then when it's 5 or 6 years old and it it just can barely move and it already has like type 2 diabetes, you're like what, why weren't you eating your vegetables? And it's just like, because yeah. you only gave me sweets. <laughs> yeah, like no, that, no, totally. Yeah, like, so they, it's like, yeah. yeah, they're dumb, but also it's not crazy that they find themselves in this situation, you know? Because they don't even know uh, what when that, when um, Steve Carell's character goes and interviews them. Yeah, Mark Baum. Mark Baum. He asks them about uh, wh- why, why are they confessing to us? And he's like, they're not confessing, they're bragging. Yeah. But it was not that it's because they didn't even know. I mean, they they may have known that they had been committing a crime, but it, it just felt like nothing was being regulated. They don't like know the was, repercussions. There was like no professional development training. There was no outside enforcement agency that gave them like a weekend crash course on the ethics, the fiduciary responsibilities totally. that they ha- that had. Mm-hmm. So one thing that came up was these uh, things called ninja loans, which are called no-income, no-job loans. <laughs> 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 which is just like the most like epic thing for like a bartender turned realtor to love. It's just been like, yo, man, I got some ninja loans, baby. Let's do this. Dude, 2007, yeah. that, that's right, <laughs> this is right when people are like, you know, like, I fucking love my bacon. I love ninjas. I love all this. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's and like I, a Chuck Norris joke. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Insert yeah. Chuck Norris joke here. Yeah, yeah they may as well have been called Chuck Norris joke loans. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so, that yeah, I mean, like, in the movie, they talked about how there was, like, um, a, they would target, like, um, working class immigrants in Florida was one of the things. And these people who were, like, maybe not be, like, English as their first, they might not be English first language speakers um, or like strippers. And then she was like, I remember one point there was like this woman, she was like, yeah, I have two loans on one house and I'm just here to like help out people. And like, this is good. And she was like, um, the realtors never told me that my house, you know, that these uh, new uh, what, th- uh, adjustable rates would go, would kick in. No one ever told me that these adjustable rates ever going to kick in. So I'm going to be fine. Right. And then Mark Baum is like getting a lap dance from this woman. He's like, no, no, no they just lied to you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and, then, and then she was, and she was like, well, th- then I'm completely fucked. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, she's like, I have five houses. And it's just like, you just realize just how insane and gratuitous this whole structure is. And, th- and that's just the one, little microcosm in florida that they go visit and she's going to be uh she's probably a, a uh, what is it a landlord for a bunch of other people who are worse off because they can't even buy a house and they're just living in her place renting totally and totally. then all of those houses are going to go into foreclosure <laughs> and everyone who lives in those places is going to be homeless yeah that's actually i mean just Absolutely. to talk about the movie a little bit that's sort of like <laughs> one of the the starker well played well shot parts of it is the scene where mark Baum's employees are walking through you know just a mcmansion area yeah and it's empty there's it's just all empty nobody's there there's a fucking crocodile in the pool or an alligator excuse me there's an alligator in the pool crocodiles live in australia uh but uh, excuse me yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the one guy who answers his door is just sort of like what are you talking about, man? I, I pay my rent. 
Yeah. Do I have to move? God damn right. it. You know, his credit score shouldn't be ruined. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's the thing is it's like six million people lost their homes. And he those are the like. So it's not I, I think that's kind of the craziest thing about the rhetoric of the fi- of like after the financial sector. Being like we got to bail out our lazy neighbors who wouldn't pay their stuff. It's like, no, no, no. It was their landlords and their realtors who were like fraudulent and like were lied to and manipulated, not the renters. Yeah, like the renters were the renters had no probably had no idea what was going on. Yeah, you know? it's like the farther you get up to the top, the the more culpable you are. That's exactly right. So it's just a situation where it's like you could just be one layer of separation above that. So instead of being just the renter, you're the landlord who's uh, uh above that. And it just the very bottom of that, the renter, the homeowner, they're the ones just getting they're getting old because like all the truth gets and whatever the opposite of disseminated is it's like obscured at the farther it goes down to the point yeah. where the, by the time you get to the very bottom of the pyramid like the working class and whatever there's just no real information yeah everybody's been lied to across Precisely. the board you know but the real lie is just that these gigantic credit rating agencies just were competing in just like a, a terrible closed loop three-part oligopoly and not really taking their job seriously now that's the real fraud and at the end of the movie they talk about several people tried to file lawsuits against um the credit rating agencies and every single law firm laughed them out of the office hilarious they just they would just never do it um and i and 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 it does kind of go higher than this is like um kind of there's the the epilogue at the very end where mark Baum is kind of like um you know he it, it it's not they knew exactly what they were doing it, they knew that they were going to get bailed out by the government they knew the taxpayers would bail them out um and that's kind of i mean that that you know i mean who knows maybe that's kind of um adam mckay you know uh, editorializing from 2015 but there is a bit of a feeling of just like this the entire sector knew that the more you financialize and you ma- make an economy that is reliant, whose growth is reliant solely on the financial sector, and the more you have the financial sector increasingly interconnected, eventually there's going to be something that is as stable as the housing market that's going to have some sort of blip and it's going to ruin everything. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that everything has become so entrenched and intertwined that is also, I think, an important factor in determining culpability as well. So it's interesting because uh, looking at this hierarchy, if we can find, if we can look at this as a ladder, it's like the uh, the consumers at the bottom that had enough math literacy to know that they couldn't pay off these debts are culpable in that they were like irresponsible consumers. Then one step above that, the Real estate agents are culpable because they're greedy. They thought they wouldn't get caught, and they're just kind of like – it's dumb, though. They're like dumb and crude in the way that they're doing this. And as you move up, though, these – the bankers uh, who were not as smart as our protagonists in this, they just have this hubris that they believe that the system will work or that they're arrogant in their own uh, education, like the guy eating sushi. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then but then when you get even further up, the faces that I, we don't even see in this are the truly cynical ones who know that the government will bail, bail them out. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the um the, like the, the Tim Geithners. Yeah. Maybe, or it, the, it, uh, yeah, and that's ultimately because they know that the government is staffed by people in their milieu. Like there there is there's ultimately a trust in most SEC commissioners and most treasury secretaries and most chairs of the Fed because they all came from the same law firms that these, you know, like CCOs at Morgan Stanley came from. You yeah. know, they were all, you know, they were all at Deba Voice and Plimpton at a, a, a different time. And so they all kind of know and trust and understand that they have each other's back a little bit. And so there's always going to be more of a cultural and uh, class solidarity between those people than there ever will be between yeah. like a regulator whose job is primarily to protect investors and to primarily protect the American people from fraud. Yeah, so it's like a situation where wh- it's like Gabe, what you were saying. It's like there's not like a situation. There was never a situation before the recession happened where Tim Geithner sits down in a you know room and just sort of silently says to something to no one like, "When the recession happens, we will give all the banks money." It's never like explicitly no. said like that. No, what it not. is is, is is like sort of a knowing gaze, a knowing idea that it's just like, well, I can't let my friends fail. I can't let this. And yeah, the, well, it's I, like goes I, yeah. right from A to B. Like, well, the only way to make it so my friends don't fail is so everybody else pays it out. And yeah, that's just it. That's just I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel, I th- feel that way with like a parent and like a kid. You know, yeah. like the kid is like. Get, uh, continue, get, like straight F's, like doesn't do any work at all, all year long. And the kid might might get a little bit of grief and get yelled at, but they know that they're going to get, uh, they're they're not going to have to, It's this is at a private school. They know they're not going to have to be great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because there's going to be, the parent's going to give uh, money and be like, okay, well, do you want the tuition or not? You're going to let my Yeah, 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 screen. yeah, yeah. Also, make sure my mic is still good. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, good. Still, you're good. good. Still good? Yeah. Just a little peek behind the curtains, my friends. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, or it's like, or like the college admissions scandal of like, you may get bad grades, but I'm still going to bribe this USC admissions person because, yes. because I want to yes. be able to brag that you got into USC just as much as you want to go to USC. Yeah. You know? Um, there's just there's just an alignment of interests um, that ultimately is like, we want you to succeed. I want you to succeed. Let's make sure that we do everything we can to make sure that you succeed. It's a no. It's like when it, you, it, you know how Trump always says, "I never lied. I never lied with that. I know. I don't know what you're talking about." My theory. This is a, this is a little bit of a deviation, but not too much. My pet theory with that is like every time Donald Trump says, "Oh, I, I never lied," I always picture a conversation in which he's talking to people and basically taking that sort of kind of uh, cloak and daggery kind of like way you speak with people like. Hey, would you do this or blah blah blah? Because like you never actually lie or you never actually do the thing. You just strongly imply, and that's you know what essentially led to the recession is just a lot of everything shall be fine situation. I just feel like uh, I just hear Tony Soprano on the phone being like, "You take care of that thing." Yes. Yes. The other thing. Yeah. Yeah. With that guy. Now the other guy. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm glad we're all friends again. <laughs> yes. It's like the opposite. Uh, it's like the re- rhetorically, it's the opposite as when someone's like, which I love this tool of someone being like, I won't say 
this person's name, this disgusting, filthy person's name. I will not say Ilhan Omar's disgusting name. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm better than that. I would never say Ilhan Omar's name. Nobody wants to say Voldemort, even though they're, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I think it's very funny. Um, uh, okay, so where are we now? That's the mo- that, that, That's what happened, right? So then eventually, second quarter of 2007 hits, and... Um, Mike uh, Barry is exactly right. You know uh, that these people are going to default. That it's going to start slowly. It, it, they go over fifteen percent, right? Also, all these mortgage-backed securities and cl- CDOs. The amount of people who default goes over fifteen percent. This is where well, I watched this movie on an airplane, and this is where I had to get asked for a second Bloody Mary <laughs> yeah, yeah. because I was like, "Why are they not getting the big payout?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said they said what was happening, but for whatever reason. Mark Blum is going to his bank. Barry is going to his bank, right? And like they're not They're not getting it yet. Yeah. So it's the um It's very Burry, stressful part of Burry the Burry and Bomb <laughs> are just like, Where, where's my money? Why hasn't it happened yet? So the thing is, is what do they bet on? What how how do they get money? How is it that Bomb and Barry and those two random little kids from that one random who know Brad Pitt? Um yes. how do those guys all get money? They do something, they bet against the housing market, and they have to invent a financial structure in order to do so. That's the first part of the, or the first third of the movie, essentially, is basically the invention and the idea that we are going to short, i.e. bet against Correct. the housing market. That's the first third of the movie. Correct. And they're all just sort of getting on top of it. Uh, my, uh, uh, um, Christian Bale's character invents it. Mark Baum gets a part of it, a.k.a. Steve Carell, yep. and then those children also find out about it, too. And they're like the three sets, Main actors who have The three it. groups, you could say. who, And they're all like, all right, we are going to short, we are going to bet against the housing and market. And they're so, never on screen together, even though they are the Ocean's Eleven That's team. right. That's, that's true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Whoa. they don't even know each other, really, but they're wow. all... They're all part of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, we're all looking at the same moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, trying to short it. so 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 this so, this this financial tool, this short, is invented. It's called a credit default swap. Yes. Okay. So a swap is a type of derivative structure. Okay. A derivative is basically a a gamble on a certain set of conditions or on a certain contract or on a yes. certain relationship that is above and beyond. An investment in a something. It is. It is. Inve- a derivative is can be very a lot of things, but essentially it is like one step removed from the actual thing that you're betting on. Yeah, it's, it's like you're, it, you're betting that Detloff Shrimp will get the tip off in the Supersonics game. That he will get <laughs> the first three point. And that he will also score at least ten points. This is how we win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or or it's or it's or it's like saying like yeah like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like invest in Apple. I'm going to uh, create some sort of like option that Apple will replace its CEO in the. I, I, no, that, that's it's not a parlay, really isn't it? A parlay. A parlay is a single bet that links together two or more individual wages and is dependent on all of those wages winning together. This sounds like a parlay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I guess you would make an argument that, a, that like a derivative can be kind of a parlay, but basically in this situation, this sort of structure is betting on a swap, which is kind of an uh, a um, an investment of 
you do one you invest in one thing i'll invest in another thing at the same time okay so basically oh, okay that's what a swap okay. is so a credit default swap is saying that i'm going to um get let's see so when when credit default happens there will be a swap of money that's going to happen. So basically, Michael Barry puts in $100 million at Goldman, $200 million at Deutsche, then Bank of America, Bear Stearns, and Credit Suisse. Um, and he uses up all of Scion Capital's liquidity um, to do so. He's giving them all this money in these structures. Okay. And so he's literally giving them $100 million. Yeah. And only on the event that this happens will they have to pay him back essentially and, yeah. and the only way that they can really pay him back is if they pay him first because yeah because what they're doing is they're taking fees or like um god i can't it's really really hard to like so understand underlying what i find like what i find fees it, for investments basically is the swap yeah okay. yeah because because they're saying well look you can give us a hundred million or we you can say you're going to bet a hundred million dollars but if we just let that happen for zero dollars, then anybody could do that. So the only thing, so as a as this as a, a return, you have to pay us a, like a hundred thousand dollars every month. That's right. In order, it's it's like it's like a, an insurance thing. Yeah. So so he so basically for the chance to create this, put a hundred million dollars in credit default swaps through Goldman Sachs, two hundred million through Deutsche Bank. They for them to how to create the credit default swap, do like manage it and control the investments. They charge a fee. Yes. That's the arrangement. Yeah. And so they're making money off of this thing that they presume will never happen, mm-hmm. and they're just going to be collecting fees until the end of time. And they're just like, oh, this guy's a, such a sucker. We'll yeah, create. that's why they're laughing at him. Yeah, they're laughing guys. at him the whole time. They're just like, okay, sure, we'll collect your fees. We'll collect fees from you forever. This is never going to happen. Um, but sure, we'll do it for you. Yeah. And then when it happens, though, what does that do? Does the bank make money off of the – does the bank make money off of these defaults then since they are making money off of our the friends? The fees. Yeah. They are – they stop co- collecting the fees because that's when they sell. Like once like once Mark Baum gets to a certain place where he actually sells and becomes a billionaire yeah. at the end of the movie, um, you stop collecting fees when you sell. Because he sells to someone else, so that, that, that's yes, when. yeah, yeah. So, so the idea is, is like the banks. Well, that, that's the whole reason the banks partially go under too, right? Is is it's one of those things where it's like Mark Baum didn't make the banks go bankrupt solely because of his, uh, his his swap per se. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is if you're paying, if you have like you know whatever you said the number was like a hundred million dollars. And then, you know, they basically hit the jackpot and they have to pay him by like a factor of like, I don't know, whatever it is, like 100, like 200, 300 percent. It's like, no, (laughs) it's like there's no more money left. You know, you won. And now we're kind of bankrupt now because this is also no. I mean, they they have they have so much money. I guess that's true. They're not going to get they're not going to get completely fucked over like that. Um, But that basically it was. Their individual shorts, their individual credit default swaps did not have a, like, systemic impact on the economy. What it did is it just made a bunch of, like, pilfering vultures. I mean, that, that's what these people were, were vulture capitalists. Yeah. U- ultimately, Mark Baum, Michael Berry, and the two boys who know Brad Pitt are vulture capitalists in that they are 
profiting off of the death of the rest of the economy. Yeah, that's why Brad Pitt's so pissed off. He's like, stop jumping up and down. They're vampires. Yeah, yeah. Just don't dance. They are vampires. They're Colin Farrell the vampire. (laughs) Yes, they are, yeah. In in the cul-de-sac. And and, and, and I think Danny and I watched this movie together while you were on an airplane and Danny and I were watching this movie and kissing the whole time. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we <were> holding, <laughs> no, we were holding hands, David, uh, uh, <laughs> and hugging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I felt some I felt some, uh, some juice in your yeah, hand. Yeah. I felt, I felt well, that's because kiss. I had my juice in between that I could take a slug <laughs> of every once yeah. in a while. There was some credit default swapping going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah dude, yeah. Um, I was betting that David wouldn't kiss. There was a lot of, <laughs> let's just say there was a lot of liquidity, all right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so like, uh, they... When when we notice the movie is just like there are so many times where Burry and Bomb especially could have been like I need to call the SEC right now and yeah. and like report a crime I need to like or I need to alert them of this systemic issue I need to call. Uh, or like, I need to call the Wall Street Journal and alert them of this systemic issue. And they're only, um, really, it's only the two boys who know Brad Pitt who attempt to do both. Kind of. Kind of, though. Like, they really don't make a good faith effort to do so. Like, they are in Vegas, and they have a friend who have who has like a fr- who's like sister works for the SEC, and they like see her at a hotel, and they try to tell her, and she's like, no, no, no I'm trying to have sex with a guy. And she's like clearly drunk. She's clearly not working. That's not a real effort to contact the SEC. And she and she's trying to get out of well, what I saw her as is a metaphor for yes. anybody who works in government regu- regulation. Yeah, because there's this. I you know I see it every political administration. Somebody comes into power and they end up working for uh, the government for like the federal government for four years and then they leave the federal government and go right back to the high powered corporate job that Correct. they had before they were appointed. That's right. So this like revolving door policy between work <laughs> working with the Defense Department and then going to work at Lockheed Martin is yes. Like, yes, yes, yeah. It's like I don't understand the cog- the cognitive dissonance. You know, like how people don't see that that is a conflict of interest. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Gabe's absolutely right too. I was immediate. I was also thinking like that. It like that lady. She very. I like. I don't know what part of that movie was dramatized or if that's absolutely real. But it, it doesn't matter because it's an. She's an excellent metaphor. <laughs> where she's yeah. just like, wait, come here, <laughs> come here. You know, like yeah. the, you know, talking to a banker essentially, like fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun that it's so funny that part of it. No, know? it really is. And yeah. like but I don't know. I mean like I think that look, it's the Bush administration's SEC and there's a very reasonable chance that like there is there was no one at the SEC who was going to do anything about that. But like they the two guys really didn't like I, I don't know. I I you you guys are both right. Yes. That is all true, but that also does not take the but like take the onus off of the two guys to also make like a little to try again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to prove you guys right, essentially. You know what I mean? Like to prove like they should have tried to reach out to more regulators and been rejected by more people. Like is what a- I'm trying to say. Adam McKay has uh imbued these protagonists that we have with with some uh moral compass that or at least have us as the viewer look at them heroically, where in reality they uh were sitting on their hands. 
Yeah. Know? Yeah, in some and, ways and they're kind of the worst people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah. Like they really kind of are. Like, yeah, cuz cuz Burry, Burry as we talked about is a wealth manager. Like we we he is what we, in like previous episodes we've described as like a wealth manager whose pure and simple job is to like make your money make more money. He just True. also happens to be like I don't know, kind of on the spectrum in this movie where oh, yeah, he's just totally, like, oh, totally. yeah, my whole job is just to make more money. So I don't, and, I don't yeah, care. There's, there's yeah. millions of people. There are millions of like people on the autism spectrum who work in the financial sector. It's <laughs> yeah, just like, that's they, a beautiful fit for them. And we, we welcome their, you know. Yeah. Their, they go together like cupcakes and frosting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like a, like <laughs> yeah. Very rain, well put. Yeah. So, but I, what I, like a rainbow know, puzzle on a bank. He, <laughs> 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 he reminds me of, uh, of, uh, of like a better Madoff in that. Like not that uh, there's they both were in a Ponzi scheme, but that Madoff was a wealth manager. When yeah. you watch that movie, uh, the one with Robert De Niro, you know he's he's uh, like Scion is is basically the same type of operation, right? Where yeah, you're okay, just managing pools of people's money. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and he is doing something unethical, even though he's right. He's he's without their their consent. His the people whose money he's managing. Yeah. He's like tripling <laughs> down on some evil Knievel. Precisely. Uh, I'm going to make it across the gorge. <laughs> what, yeah. What's crazy about it is it's like these people have true, true knowledge. And they, instead of doing the right thing about it, they try to, yeah, triple down on it and make it even worse. They try, like, they, or they try and just find a way for them to get a buck out of it. And there's no real. Like, I don't, I don't know. They're, 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 they profit off of misery and they profit off grift. Yeah, and, and they're just like, oh, well, well let's just do this again. Let's just keep yeah. this going. And there's no like, oh, I should have an obligation as a citizen to like do something to try and prevent the collapse of the American economy and the global economy. You know what I mean? Like, and then there's like that. Then the then, then the two boys who know Brad Pitt go to um the Wall Street Journal reporter that yeah. they know from college. One guy, again, one reporter oh, at yeah. one publication. And again, that guy being like, I have to preser preserve my contacts is like, that's true. As a financial reporter, I am, there's certainly a lot of like, you have to be, you have to like glad hand to be nice to people. But like one reporter saying no doesn't mean every single reporter is going to say no. And I certainly would think I would like to have think that I would have taken that story and written no, about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I like I, that report in the same way that that redhead. At in Las Vegas, yeah, was oh, yeah. to me a metaphor for government regulations. That reporter was a metaphor for every journalist in the era of like embedded journalism. Yeah, yeah. Or in the era of if there are only five different uh, multinational conglomerates that uh, handle all of our media, then there is no. You can't be. You can't go to journalist journalism school, and uh, and think that you're going to have a comfortable, cushy job at a corporation, and also affect change because yeah. your your goal your mission statement is is opposed to the the entire structure that you're part of mm -hmm. yeah this is before teen vogue started doing in-depth political analysis <laughs> yeah. where right. you still just had the washington times the new york times the wall street journal and like whatever Forbes you know or whatever uh, and like yeah. yeah i mean like what why didn't like the, the brownfield capital boys contact teen vogue like yeah, that would have yeah. been, sure. or just post medium posts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is before 
medium posts. <laughs> yeah. We had nothing. This is, there were like there were like four Twitter accounts. Like Twitter, yeah, no, Twitter had just been invented. Yeah, <laughs> like they're, they're, yeah. when this happened, dude, they just needed yeah. to make spicy memes about this yeah. and, have, <laughs> and have the fat Jew steal their content. Yeah. The fat Jew, <laughs> he hadn't even stolen one piece of content yet because Instagram didn't invent it exist yet. That's, that's <laughs> he right. hadn't even stole. He hadn't even aggregated content yet. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think that that's my was like my biggest issue with the movie overall is just the fact that they really try and present especially Steve Carell's character as like a moral agent when like he really 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 has a lot more culpability than and he feels guilty about it but he feels guilty about it while on the roof of his upper east side apartment overlooking central park Right, like yeah. Michael Corleone <laughs> at the end of Godfather Two. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, maybe I killed off my brother, and I'm, uh, it's, I have yeah. an empire now that I have everything. I guess I feel bad about how I got here, and well, it's like, it's like this is like that's not real, that's not courage. It's not courage. The, Steve Carell's character in that movie is really just a guy who, by the end of the movie, realizes he's bad. It doesn't mean that anything he did is good or that he's a good person but he's just the guy who's just like i guess i'm bad like you know yeah that, you know again he's not a good person in that way he doesn't really do anything to stop it There's i mean he's relatable and he's human yeah sure. oh yes he's yeah he but, has heavy mike Fant francesa vibes by the way for anybody who's associated with new york sports you know just big new york guy you know very goofy and loud sounding by the way very true that this home under under discussed thing is how much this movie is like a new york boy movie yes it is this movie is so. about new york is about like different types of new york white men yes yes and uh yeah and and you did like uh they're they did they're written to be sympathetic but there is a moral hollowness at the center of this film when it comes to there's no character to actually latch on to who is a who is a <laughs> A role model. You I mean, I guess Brad Pitt is probably the closest kind one. Of. Brad Pitt. I mean, I mean cause Brad got, Pitt's got, got a got Alex Jonesian uh, vibes. Nah, but yo, but he's got a point. Gardening is great. Like gardening is nice. It's a it's a wonderful <laughs> it's a wonderful <laughs> thing to do. It's, yeah, yeah. Plants are great. Like he made he made the right career pivot by leaving the financial sector. But sure. but that's yes. the thing. Yes. But Brad like, Pitt, even by the end of the movie, he still helps them sell all their. Well, I guess he's not really participating in it as much per se he's just doing something that they because they need to get basically like the boy the the little boys the at little boys Campbell, the yeah they need to basically in order to pull off the big short their credit default swap they need to get this thing called an isda isda the international swaps and derivatives association is a trade organization of participants in the market for over-the-counter derivatives it is headquartered in new york city and has created a standardized contract to enter into derivatives transactions and they need to get some sort of like accreditation form yeah, yeah. in order to be able to actually make the investment itself. Remember how we were talking about the private funds? There's yeah. there's certain capital requirements for this yeah. specific type of credit default swap. There is there are capital requirements, and yeah. Brad Pitt helps them get that, and then he helps facilitate the trade when to, for them to actually sell to actually actually do the short. And yeah. for them to actually make the $80 million or whatever that they make. And he's, like, in a pub in London. And then there's all those, like, 
rightly angry fucking like pub the chaps guys. Yeah, the chaps were, yeah. behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the, the pint boys who are just yeah. like who are just like fu- like the this is the, like like oh what you, oh you're a banker, fuck you, you know? Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like and those those guys are the good guys. Yeah, those are kind of like the, the only good, good guys in the movie. They're the good I mean they may have voted for Brexit in five years, but maybe for, <laughs> That's like, true. That is very <laughs> true. Yeah. But I mean yeah. like maybe for for leftist reasons, because they saw Brad Pitt uh fucking over the American economy right sure. in front of their eyes. Well the EU is a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it depends, cabal, you know, I, I was in it. I remember I was in Greece uh, the year that they joined and everybody who's Greek was upset that they had to wake up and go to nine to fives. And it like <laughs> they're know. very busy eating olives straight off the tree. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good life, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had a great uh, slow paced quality of life. And, you know, when you have to compete with a bunch of other countries, you know, it, it wrecks the local economies. Yeah. You, so. can't, you can't spend your time just slowly <laughs> knitting your track suit, to, you know. Yeah, and why should you? Why should you have to work as hard as uh, people living in a miserable northern Europe when <laughs> yeah, the, you live on the Mediterranean? Yeah, and the you're Greek just people <laughs> basking in the sun. Yeah, they see the, the German people and they're just like, "What are you doing? Yeah, yeah that, that's stupid. Who are these fastidious, like pale uh, f- freaks with black socks and Birkenstocks on, stomping yes. around down here?" Like looking at their clocks and telling us that we have to move faster and bring them souflaki. Yeah, I no. mean for the for uh, for the German people, in fairness, what are the things that they have? Iron and timber. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah. What are the things that they don't have? Good weather. Yeah. So like, yeah. what else are you gonna do but just be industrious? Yeah. With those two factors, you know what I mean? Make like, buildings <laughs> that look like Legos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I mean uh, I think overall, you know, the movie. I found the movie. I've wa- I think this is actually the third time that I've watched the movie. I remember I watched it in theaters. I watched it on Netflix once. Then it went away from Netflix. And then David and I watched it on that weird streaming service. What that like had oh, a ton yeah. of commercials oh, in yeah. it. Yeah. Pluto. Yeah. Pluto. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say Ninja. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say that having done uh, you know eight episodes of the podcast now and then watching it, it makes a lot more sense for one thing. You know, the, you get the context of it. And I must say, um, I don't know. It just sets the pace for a lot of, you know, I, I don't know what you would call it, like kind of progressive style movies like that. Plus, it's Adam McKay's like first kind of serious film. Like, go if you want to have yourself a laugh, go on Adam McKay's IMDb. 80%, 90% of every movie he's done is just a movie with Will Ferrell's face on the DVD sure. cover of it, you it's, know, uh, and the and the formula is Will Ferrell. Uh, it's uh, Will Ferrell as George W. Bush driving a race car. Yeah, Will. Fer- yeah, Will Ferrell rubs his nutsack on his brother's drum set, stepbrothers, like, as George W. Bush yeah. rubbing his nutsack on Jeb Bush's face. Do you touch my drum set? No, it's just weird because. Seems like someone definitely touched my drum set. Where are you going? I'm going upstairs. Because I'm going to put my nut set on your drum set. Okay? You do that. I am warning you right now. If you touch my drums, I will stab you in the neck with a knife. Ian, go in the room. I will go Don't miss spot. John Bob's playing Moby Dick for real. So yeah, Will is- Ferrell like uh fucking drives a car. Will Ferrell is speaking Spanish now, like Casa de mi Padre. So yeah, this is from um the Jacobin article where they interviewed, uh where they interviewed Adam McKay, 
Um, and this is an interesting quote. He said, uh, uh, I went back after I got to know him, Adam McKay, and I rewatched the Anchorman movies and Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. I went back and really saw that passionate voice shouting through these funny movies and realized, oh, those were like angry, pointed, and brilliant dissections of our culture. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Adam McKay is? Adam McKay is a fucking – who's the guy who did Freaks and Geeks again? What's his name? Judd Apatow. Apatow. He says if Judd Apatow were good. Because <laughs> Judd Apatow basically makes the same movie every single time where he's just sort of like, I'm progressive. I'm making a lost reference in this movie. Oh, the formulaic thing happens where the the boy gets the girl. The end. But Adam McKay, it seems, has sort of grown as a director and basically evolved with the times. And He just got angrier. He got angrier. He's actually kind of like a, a democratic socialist now. Yeah. And I think this is a bit of a hot take, but I think Vice is pretty good. I think he did a pretty good job with that movie as well. I, I didn't see Which is, you, it's, it's a portrayal of Dick Cheney. People made it sound like it was made him sympathize, but I'm like, no, it made him more evil. No, yeah, he's yeah. definitely not sympathetic in it. If anything, the reason that, I, I mean, I think Vice is beautifully shot and the acting's great. It's, uh, it's that, I just felt I left feeling hollow. Yeah, like, that's, uh, which is like maybe the design of <laughs> the two, you know? chest cavity. Yeah, and, and yeah, and like like mo- like the the thing about the Big Short that is also very charming in a way is Adam McKay is a guy who is uh, not afraid to break the fourth wall. Sure, he loves to do it. I love his little animations. The editing is very snappy. It's very quick. And uh, it, it really keep and like he does beat you over the head with a couple of things like the most prominent scene being like, here's Margot Robbie in a bubble bath. Like that's a little like epic bacony. But besides that, it's it's fun. It's very fun, even though it's talking about an incredibly destructive thing. It is. I wanted yeah. to hang out with all these dudes in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Me, too. It was making me fun. The, the real estate guys Vegas. seemed fun. I would have hung out with, yeah. you know, like those guys. I'd go seemed... to the gym. be gym buddies with Ryan Gosling in this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, see, that's actually, that's another good point. I completely forgot that Ryan Gosling went in, was in it for a second. And remember, like Total Ryan smug. Gosling was like, he was like a meme for a long time. He's like, he's hot. He's dreamy. And that's what Adam McKay was playing on at the time. He's just like, oh, I'm not just going to get like a no-name actor or even somebody who's well-known. I'm going to get the guy who everyone thinks is fucking uh fucking hot as hell what's then, cool about ryan gosling is that he can play like a uh, angry dick very as well. well as play like because he i think you know you watch him in drive i like drive oh yeah, we all nice, drive. Nice he's, he's a quiet boy the whole time and then there's these explosions of rage but even watching drive he only has like seven lines of dialogue and then you watch this and he just is chewing up this the screen with these like uh, rants, and he's 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 great at being an asshole. It's weird because his facial expression mm-hmm. kind of doesn't change, but he's pretty good at emoting in it. Like the way he says things, you're like, he seems to be saying it a different way now. And I do, I get what he's trying to do. You know, <laughs> he he's such a dick. But I I also like that one part where uh, where he knows that the other finance bros are lame, and yeah. he's like, he he has an aside, I guess, or he's he's on the phone and he goes, oh yeah, I would never be caught dead in this bar uh, with these lame finance people. My friends are in fashion. Oh, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's that's Adam McKay breaking the fourth wall again. He uses – that's how he uses um, uh, 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 sides. Dramatic. You know, the, the guy, the, dra- the, the actor um, um, who I was, we were just talking about. Ryan Gosling. Ryan that's how Gosling. he uses Ryan Gosling. He's basically like, this is the narrator. This is yeah. the guy in it. 
Um, yet also, just also in a little like little heads up too, is if you like this movie and you like the big short, that guy who's in Succession, Succession is in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You, you get to see like future Adam McKay investments. Kendall Roy. Yeah. Kendall Roy is in it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think what's great, I'm glad that you brought up Succession because I think that I saw a tweet that was like, I don't remember who it was, but there was some like, I, I and I pardon the the name calling, but it was like some like Neo Live Twitter account. I, I just can't remember who it was, but someone was like, just started watching Succession. I don't really know how much I'm getting into it. I kind of feel like I can't really relate to any of the characters. I can't really tell who's the good guy. And it's like, you're missing the point. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all bad. <laughs> They're all supposed to be bad. <laughs> you, yeah, it's a um, new you of shittiness. How yeah. you? Yeah, the, yeah. There's just like a. You're it, watching a a train crash, my man. <laughs> there's yeah. many parts of it. Yeah, there's just like so. Yeah, it's like totally abject. And I I think that's kind of like the in the Obama era and it's and even in the Bush era there was kind of like an era of like Adam McKay wanted to create very subtle satire. And he kind of had the effect of like not people it being so subtle, people not getting the fact that Will Ferrell was a critique of Bush chauvinism, I guess. Yeah. In all of those movies, and so he's like, okay, Trump got elected, the financial crisis happened. I'm going to be a little bit more explicit here. Let's make the Big Short. Let's make Succession. Let's make Vice. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm just going to like he grew up a little bit more as well, and just wants to get it be more known <laughs> yeah that what what he really stands for and where, where he's really coming from i you know what i you know what i'm both looking for i am looking forward to the day where the two worlds collide and you have both adam mckay doing a serious politically relevant movie where it stars will ferrell yeah. <laughs> and then you have the ultimate combination of what he's basically been building for 20 years <laughs> who, did the, who did that movie um the the uh George Bush movie that came the <laughs> Oliver Stone. The Oliver Stone movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah starring that's Josh Brolin. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brolin. Yeah, yeah I love a, Josh Brolin. Yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. That was great. Yeah, that yeah. Was great. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? I don't, if you haven't seen The Big Short, I would say go out there, watch it on Plu- Pluto. Watch on Pluto. I give a lot of Oreos advertising. I give it five bags of popcorn, guys. I like it. I get I get I give it seven tranches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, I'll give it. I'll give it a double A rating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a good movie. Go watch it. It is still as relevant, if not more. And like, if you look at it in sort of the scheme of what's happening now you're just like oh shit this is very relevant <laughs> like, and uh, it's gonna happen again very soon yep yeah. <laughs> get out of the stock market while you can the market is bullish gold yeah, yeah. Uh, as Danny say yeah uh, oh what oh let's say okay hold on I got a question this is a finance question maybe for our listeners what if you did inherit like uh, three thousand dollars? Let's say you you inherited three. Let's keep it at three grand. Yeah. And you wanted to make a reckless investment now. Well, there's these. What new- is what is a way? Is there like a, a default swap, or is there some some cool uh, product? Well, at the end of the movie, Adam McKay advertises um, a new form of CDO collateralized debt obligation called a bespoke tranche opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You could invest in a bespoke tranche opportunity. That That sounds like a fake Rolex. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh God. It just smells like, Mm. like a vending machine. But, uh, you know, Brad Pitt's investing in uh, water at the end of this, his character. Or no, not Brad Pitt. Uh, Christian Bale. 
Christian Bale or Steve Carell. Which one is it? It's Christian Bale. Remember? Or wait, so, no, I, I think it. I'm pretty sure it's Brad. Pitt's You're right. No, no, no. It's Christian Bale. It's Christian Bale because he uh, he gets audited by the FBI. Ah, yes. And yeah, many times. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gets audited by the FBI. He tries to sue Moody's and S and P, and all the law firms refuse to take it up. And then he gets audited by the tries to report that. Yeah, the, 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 the then he invests in water. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how the movie ends. And then the and then the boys the boys who know Brad Pitt make money. And then I think Brad Pitt goes back to gardening. Yeah, Brad Kipp goes back to gardening. What's the overall like? Because we uh, we know Christian Bale's character, his um, uh, wealth management makes like four hundred percent, so they make four times the money. Do we remember how much the boys initially invest? Because they ended up with like what eighty million dollars, and they um, basically start with twenty million, or they they take they, like they make eighty million dollars. Yeah, and they have like their original liquidity. I think is something like twenty ish, twenty or thirty. So they like double or double and a half their money, right? They do very, yeah. They never have to work again. Definitely, they go from uh, they get they're at thirty million. They start off at four hundred thousand dollars when they first started their fund. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, so, so there's um, what was I gonna say? Oh, there's one person who did go to jail though. That guy, there's the guy yeah, Kareem yeah. Uh, Saradelin, uh, and he he was one. There was the only banker who went to jail for the financial crisis. Um, the only exec- Wall Street executive prosecuted as a result of this. He was the former managing director of global head of structured credit at Credit Suisse. 30 months in prison in connection with a scheme to hide more than $100 million in losses in mortgage-backed securities trading book at Credit Suisse. He's already out of, mu- he's out of jail. He's been out of jail for oh, yeah. a, a decade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he also yeah. agreed to give back $25.6 million in compensation to Credit Suisse. And then later ordered to pay $1 million to settle an SEC lawsuit. Think about that. He had to give $25 million to his employer who was part of this scheme. Mm-hmm. But he only had to settle for $1 million in an SEC lawsuit for the same actions. So, like, his employer gets $25 million for the fraud that he committed. I don't know where, I don't know if that gets distributed back to the investors God in Credit how. Suite. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what happens to that $25 million that goes to Credit Suisse. But then in an SEC lawsuit, he just settles for a million. It's kind of – it's just like nothing happened. Yeah. He, like truly, he got nothing. Nothing happened as a result of this. He's a metaphor of the movie, you know. There was no – there was absolutely no real prosecution, no real consequences for anyone for this movie. And the three main guys all made money. Baum, Barry, and the, the boys. And the know, boys. The, and the boys. Yeah, yeah. The Brownfield Capital Boys. They all made money. Well, all right. That's a upbeat note to end this thing on. <laughs> yeah. and, and and in the meantime, um, eight million people lost their jobs and six million people lost their homes. Nice. Invest in gold. Yeah. Uh, watch the movie if you haven't. Again, if you are here and you're watching, you're listening to the podcast, and you haven't watched the movie, watch it again now. <laughs> now that you've listened to this, watch it. It's a good one. God bless you all. Yeah. All right. This has been Ponzi Scream. I'm Gabe Pacheco. I'm David Bradley Eisenberg. I'm Danny Feltz. Good night. Love you. Get out of here. Ciao.